Hello, it's Ian here with uh, some good recording equipment. Hopefully you can hear my, uh, my minor cold and my rich tones through good audio equipment. Uh, unfortunately, in this episode, it recorded on the wrong mic. So it recorded through my uh, computer mic rather than my very expensive equipment that I have. Uh, so my audio isn't great. But the good news is Matt is driving this one. So his voice is clear, crystal clear. Hope it doesn't detract too much from the episode because it's an absolute banger. Here it goes. Welcome to the Wheel of Sports, home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally, and with me is... It's Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery. Hello, Ian. Hello, listener. <laughs> we'll get that wheel spinning, Matt. Off she goes. Oh, Matt, I heard a joke the other day. You heard a joke? That's good. And it was... Uh, I went to the, the video shop and asked if I could borrow Batman Forever, and he said, no, you have to bring it back Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so you just tickled me that one. Yeah, uh, nice. the, the topic for this episode is... <laughs> it's back to basics. Goodness, we haven't had a back to basics in a while. Probably since the tennis episode, I reckon. Uh, yeah, we recorded that ten- tennis episode live from Federation Square in Melbourne, I remember. Oh, that was a joy, yeah, we certainly did. Uh, well worth going back through the archives, guys, if, uh, if if you're keen to hear about why you know some of the f- unusual phrases exist in tennis. But this episode, I'll take on again, Ian, if that's all right. This is, uh, this is free diving. Free diving. Is a pretty simple sport. I know absolutely nothing about free diving, Matt. It's oh. absolutely nothing. I, I I could guess that it is it is it something like uh that presumably either it's it, it's kind of a gymnastic pursuit where you where you dive no, no. from a height or you jump in some water but you don't use equipment or something. I don't know. It's, well, it? well, it's actually not to do with diving into water at all. Good guesses. It's actually where you're in the water normally. The, the sea, I suppose. Although it does, it, competitions do take place uh, in swimming pools as well. But normally, you'd be sort of in a in an ocean or in the sea, um, because it's all about as diving as deep as you can on a single breath. So no scuba gear. Uh, it's all about just exploring sort of the your own limits and, and going as deep as you can. So it's really simple, because you know who hasn't at some stage in their life when they've been in the, you know, maybe as a kid, been in a swimming pool and, you know, had a competition with their mates who can hold the breath the longest or in the bath or something, you know, can you hold the breath for a minute? Can you swim a length underwater? Um, And this is just that really simple pursuit taken to uh, a competitive and deadly level. (laughs) It's absolutely balmy. You know, that example of as a kid in a pool, yeah, I used to love being in a swim pool as a kid, but I was also asthmatic, so it was quite problematic for, for diving with one breath as an asthmatic, because yeah. it, was, was, it was quite bad when I was a kid. And uh, the one thing I do remember, though, is that the deeper you go, the more pressure you can pressure. feel 
Exactly. On your lungs. And you would have like... been swimming in pools of maybe two metres. Uh, uh, maybe three metres, I don't know. These these guys are going a lot, lot deeper than that. And it's... Uh, and yeah, the pressure's a thing. I mean, there's so much in this, Ian. It's 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 such a crazy sport. It's it's balmy. Like what kind of makes it a sport? Is the is the a, well, there's a, a competitive. Yeah, a... there's that's it. It's a comp. There's a competitive element. I mean, people have been doing this for you know sort of at least eight thousand years. Um, you know, go and but not always in this sporting competitive nature. You know. It sort of has its roots in um, spear fishing or harvesting oysters, that kind of thing, where people would literally dive down into deep water to catch fish and, and you know, as I say, other things from the from the sea. Um, so it's popular in places like uh, Japan or the Philippines, where whereby you know you would have a, a big fishing community, and people would do that. But I think sort of the first recorded example of this being done competitively um, was this guy, uh, Romando Boucher, who was an Air Force captain from Italy, um, and he did it for a bet. Uh, he swam down 30 metres, just near Naples, and that was, and, and sort of won the bet. And I mean, I don't know how he proved that he got down 30 metres. I couldn't, I couldn't sort of quite work that out. Um, 30 metres? Yeah, thir- 30. So with no equipment, he just goes down as deep as he can and but what i kept thinking is while i'm while i'm looking into this you're thinking 30 meters and thinking wow that's a lot it and it is you've got it's 60 meters because you go 30 down you've got to leave enough in the tank to get back up it really you know it reminds me of scott in the arctic which is another episode we did whereby you know they didn't just have to get the food to get to get to the pole they had to get back as well <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, free diving's a bit like it sounds a bit like going to the pub. Like I don't know, like whether the the walk home would feel shorter. <laughs> I don't know whether <laughs> you know because you because you have got the buoyancy uh, effect coming back up. Uh, but even the energy that you'd have to expend to get down because presumably you're you you're expending a lot of energy swimming as far as you can down yeah i mean like there's so many things physiologically that are going on in your body and so many things that are occurring it is such a dangerous sport like don't get into it <laughs> it's it... <laughs> don't do it for a bet don't that's, don't that's don't sure. get involved for my research this this has to be one of the most balmy, dangerous things you could do with yourself. It is absolutely bonkers. It sounds the name of it though sounds so gentle, and it sounds so like free free diving. Just let yourself go. Just in, it sounds, oh, we went to Thailand and we did some free diving. It was so nice. Well, all all these athletes. That's what they talk about. They say that. In this sport, adrenaline isn't your friend. Um, it's it's not something. It's not the kind of sport whereby uh, you know you you want to get fired up. It's all about being calm and tranquil. And they talk about it as sort of a you know an opportunity to experience um, peace and tranquility. And you know, there's almost something a bit zen or a bit uh, sort of 
mindfulness, you know, it's all a bit spiritual, you know, sort of getting into that sort of area where whereby people will talk about these like experiences that they're having and, you know, the peace you learn and and the calmness and like, and, and some of it, you can see, you know, from a scientific point of view, I think that that is probably the best way to, to, to achieve these deep dives is by slowing your heart rate. Like you need, when you're under that pressure, your body actually does go through physiological changes. And one of them is your heart rate slows down um, to the point where it almost stops, you know, it'd be beating maybe one, once every five seconds. And, and obviously to be calm helps that. But the, the, the other things are just crazy. Like your lungs are compressed by by 10 times. You know, your, your body can experience up to 12 atmospheres of pressure. So that's more stress on your body than an astronaut experiences during a rocket launch. You talked about when you, you know, the energy to dive down. And obviously that's a thing, but you can't set off too fast because you can... You can get the bends. You can, you know, you can die. The you you can faint. Um, so you need to go slowly. You can't rush your movements. Um, and as you get deeper, your body will, will adapt because if you go through too fast, your lungs will start bleeding. Um, you know, you'll black out. And obviously, blacking out when you're like far underwater is is so dangerous. One of the things that I read about is. When you start at the surface, and, and you know something we'll have all experienced, as if you've ever swam, when you get into water, you're buoyant, so you so the water pushes you up, and your your the water resists you as you try and swim down. It gets harder, and you're pushed back up. After about twenty meters, your body actually starts to be pushed down, and by fifty meters. If you do nothing, you'll continue to sink. You'll actually be pulled down at a meter per second. And obviously, you'll just get faster. So, it is like... it is. It, I mean, as I'm saying this stuff and saying it out loud, I just keep saying, this is mad. It's balmy. The things that happen to your body are just crazy. There's actually a group of people in the Philippines um, called the Sama people who have a sort of a history of uh, d- doing this deep diving uh, for fish, They're sort of a nomadic people. Um, and they've their spleens are actually 50% larger than most people's so that they can process oxygen more efficiently and can stay underwater for longer. And these free divers, you know, sort of wherever they've come from in the world, their bodies have changed as well. They've got slower heart rates, um, sort of bigger lung compositions. It's it's just crackers like that that this sport actually changes you physically as well as emotionally or mentally do you know like listening to this matt um it absolutely terrifies me but i know there'll be some people listening who perhaps have never heard of free diving before who are going i'd quite like to do this and those people terrify me as well <laughs> you know like oh you know goodness. like it's amazing that um people have the bodies have changed like that you know to more suitable um like darwinism uh extraordinary that they're able to to spot that kind of thing and and i didn't know that when you're a, a below a certain depth that the the ocean basically tries to claim it claim you as its own 
I didn't realise yeah, that, that I, it's just like... No, I, I had no idea. I assume it's because your lungs in the air has just been pressed so much that that you sort of lose that that buoyancy. Um, it's it's just... it's Honestly, look, if, if there are listeners out there who are thinking, oh yeah, this sounds like a bit of fun, like, you know, each to their own, go ahead, but... Like, do it safely, please. Like, you know, there's schools out there and they all say, um, don't just do this on your own. Like, you know, get advice from a professional uh, who who can sort of train you and give you give you tips, better tips than I can. <laughs> a psychologist would be a good professional. Yeah. <laughs> to seek yeah, advice from, why do I want to free dive? Because <laughs> there's some, oh, some spilling a gap in your life. <laughs> oh, goodness. It is... It is so interesting, but because of these, because it's so dangerous, right? And because um, you know the, the the risks are so high, there's very strict rules, and that was something that I found really interesting, like learning about this sport. That the, the rules are so so strict. I you, you watch it and you think, wow, they're a little bit cruel. And I'll I'll tell you what I mean. First of all, you need to declare your depth. Okay, so that's the intended depth you plan to swim to. And um, there's a couple of different ways of doing it. Now, probably, there's, in fact, there's a lot of different ways of doing it because there's different um, sort of authorities that all uh, run these competitions. Um, but within those uh, sort of certifications that you can uh, win or gain these different medals, um, it seems to me that there's basically three different types. So there's the one where you swim just... As a person, so you've got nothing except your wetsuit, because um, obviously it gets bloody cold down there. You know, after a certain depth, <laughs> there's not much sunlight going. Um, so you've got your wetsuit and nothing else, and you just your hands and your feet, and you swim. There's another one called the monofin, which is sort of if you could imagine like a mermaid's tail almost. You know, it just sort of I think it just goes. You put your feet in there. Uh, and it's sort of like two two flippers stuck together. You could do it with flippers as well, uh, but the monofin is is probably more popular because you could, it's it's a it's an easier movement for this free diving. And then the third one is something called the sled or the weighted sled, whereby you go down on a device that takes you down, and then you have to swim back up. And then there's another one actually, whereby you actually rather than swim, you pull yourself down on the rope. So you're almost uh, like climbing a rope, but in reverse. You're sort of swimming down head first. Um, but but whatever you're doing, uh, whichever whichever one you choose, I think the monofin is sort of seen as uh, as almost the pinnacle. Although you can get greater depths with the uh, weighted sled. Um, but either which way, there's the, all of the rules are pretty much the same, depending on which equipment you use, and whether you're allowed to handle the rope or not. And basically what you do is, before you compete, you tell the authority how deep you want to go. So say you fancy uh, 100 metres, which which would uh, be a respectable, but by no means championship winning depth. Um, you then set off, and at the bottom of this rope, there is a tag. You retrieve the tag, turn around and swim back up, holding the tag. And so far, so simple, but the most difficult part or the cruelest part of this sport to my mind at least is when you come back up because as you approach the surface that's the most dangerous part it's obviously the period when you've been underwater for the longest it's just before you re-emerge and take a breath and if you come through this period too quick 
that's when the risk of the blackouts is the greatest. And as one competitor said, a blackout on the surface is okay. It's the deeper blackouts that are worrying. And you think, well, well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. If you black out at 100 metres underwater, you're probably not going to be seen again. Um, but blackouts on the surface, that's sort of the greatest risk. So people come back up and then they'll black out because they, they sort of don't have the oxygen. Um, and, and, and as you... So, so the rules state, as you come up, you need to de- show your tag... You need to give the okay sign, so sort of, you know, the the thumb to first finger, and then say, I'm okay. And you need to do all of this without your head, any part of your head, touching the water. So you so sort of what most of the competitors do is they'll swim back, swim up and sort of grab the rope and yank themselves up maybe, you know, a, a foot or so out of the water so that they can say, I'm okay. And this has this protocol has to be done within fifteen seconds, and if it isn't, you fail. When you say without without touching the water, what do you mean, Mike? Your head can't dip into the water, so you can't come up and then sort of flail, or because what they're trying to avoid is if you lose consciousness, and because losing consciousness is so common, if you lose consciousness, you get a red card and your dive doesn't count, even if you've gone 100 metres under, come back up, holding a card, holding the tag, it doesn't matter, you'd be red carded, because it doesn't count if you lose consciousness. Wow. So you have to keep your head above water. And that's where it's so cruel, because you'll see these competitors coming out, fainting, and it happens a lot. And as they faint, obviously there's other people in the water, these spotters, who sort of will, will hold their head up and prevent them from drowning and splash water on their face or give them mouth to mouth and say, breathe, breathe. And, and they'll come around. And as they come around, the, the official says, I'm sorry, red card. <laughs> and sort of the first thing they're told is obviously they, they, they wake up is, yeah, sorry, didn't count. Uh, you failed. Wow. And it's like, wow, that's, that's brutal just holding this red card. So basically there's, there's three cards. There's a red card for, for blacking out or not following the protocols, which means didn't count. There's the yellow card, which is a penalty. So that could be for maybe turning around too soon or something. Uh, and that would be sort of an investigation, the yellow card. But obviously what you're looking for is the white card, which means congratulations, you've you've achieved the distance you, you set out to to do. But, but as I say, I can't stress this enough, the amount of people fainting as they re-emerge is terrifying. It's just something that happens all the time, to the point where they have to have very specific protocol and rules where they'll suspend anybody who faints, obviously to discourage people from from doing that too regularly. Well, I know like most sports will change rules for safety, but the only rule change for safety is not doing this. It's, it's, it's so, so scary. But I, I can see how it would be addictive though. You know, if you if you get, gave it a go once and you managed to get like to, you know, eight metres, 10 metres, you, you can and just see like you'd be, oh, go 12 metres, 15 metres. And I could see how it would become more and more addictive because, you know, just it, I suppose it's a bit like um, people who, you know, paraglide or 
Uh, so I suppose any of those, you know, where, where you kind of got a sense of a, a different world, a different universe, almost like it must feel like so unique when you're deep down at a hundred meters depth, which is a distance a lot of them would be going to. In one breath, can we just say? Sorry, is that one breath? This is one breath in a hundred meters. So that's two hundred meters. Well, yeah, hundred down, a hundred up, yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's just mad. How, how how long does it take? Do you know? Uh, I mean, it varies. This is the other thing. So you, when you declare your depth, you also would declare sort of an estimated time, so they know and. There's people sort of on the rope, and there's some equipment. Depending on which competition you're in, there's equipment down there, maybe cameras that can see you. But what I keep thinking is, if you run into trouble, you know, if you're a world record breaker, then there's nobody else is is at that depth, so <laughs> there's nobody to save you. You're on your own. You're totally isolated. But after about 100 meters, something happens called nitrogen narcosis, whereby the nitrogen in your blood, which which we all have. Uh, it'll start to affect you and basically poison you and you will start to get these weird hallucinations and uh i mean just the name is sounds terrifying doesn't it nitrogen narcosis the first album was good but i didn't care much for the second one <laughs> oh my goodness it's the the whole thing mate i i, I feel like i'm just a stuck record here it is crazy it's crazy and can give you some examples about sort of maybe why it's crazy. And there's some really interesting people here. You asked how long they're, they're under there. Well, there was an, there's a Russian lady um, called Natalia Molchanova who won 23 world championships and set 42 world records. Her, her, her best ever was 127 metres, um, which took her nine minutes now, 127 metres is the equivalent of a 47-storey building. 47-storey building, 127 metres, nine minutes, one breath. Now, th- there's an argument that says that uh, Natalia Molchanova is the most titled and award-winning sportswoman in the world because she is <laughs> she would set the world record and then break it. There's nobody, there was no female in her sport who competed with her. She would just break the records, her own records, again and again and again. And what I thought was interesting is, reading about Natalia, she didn't discover the sport until she was 40. Wow. Which which is obviously very unusual to become a world record holder in a, in a competitive sport. She started, I mean, she was already a swimming teacher she went through a divorce and found out a bit about free diving and sort of got into it. And, and she did it to the point where she was, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, a world champion. Um, her son as well is a four-time world champion. He got to 125 metres with the monofin. Um, Natalia had got to 127 metres with the sled. But, uh, yeah, just, just to give you an idea, uh, in August 2015... She was doing it. She went off, not not at a competition, just just doing some practice um, off the coast of Spain and disappeared and has never been seen again. She's presumably dead at the bottom of the ocean. Um, her son and family decided after a few days to just stop searching. Um, you know, they felt she, she loved the oceans. So we'll just leave her there and, and sort of that's it. 
you know, so, and, and and this is this is the world's best. And she always, you know, she was quite forthright in her opinions. I saw an interview where she was saying, well, if you make mistakes, that's sort of on you. You know, it's your fault. And, you know, don't make mistakes. Don't push yourself to the limits where you're endangered. And you think, all right, well, maybe take some of your own advice. <laughs> to be honest, everything about this sport is dangerous. If you don't want a danger, don't do this sport. That would be a better... Don't pretend it's safe. She was claiming it was safe so long as pe- the, the competitors were sensible. You think, no, it's not. This is a deadly sport. But it, it must be, there must, yeah, there must be something that keeps somebody like that going back. And, I mean, wh- whether it's because, where's her husband uh, she divorced from? Presumably a, a husband. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she got divorced, yeah, and that was what sort of launched her, her career, really, sort of feeling sad after her divorce. It's, he's, not, he's not in concrete boots at the bottom of the ocean, is he? She's not, she wasn't <laughs> looking. She asked, I think I left a watch on him. <laughs> I'll have to go and get it. Um, she, wow, that is extraordinary. That she she potentially could be the most medaled, most titled and award winning sportsman in the world. Yeah, that was what she was sort of uh, referred to as. And I just thought, wow, that is amazing. Twenty three world championships and forty two world records. More often than not, those world records were her own records being broken by herself. It is crazy. But another example of danger. I mean, how's this? There's a Frenchman called um, Guillaume Neri, um, who, uh, him and his wife did a lot of uh, videos, YouTube videos, so he's a real star of the sport, because they would film, and they are incredible, these these underwater videos um, of him sort of having these adventures underwater uh, with, without any equipment, um, and it re- you know, they really are stunning, but he uh, was competing, and he'd said, I want to do a world record attempt of 129 metres. So he swims down. Uh, and on his way back up, with 10 metres to go, he blacks out. And it turns out, it transpires, that the judges have accidentally set his distance, rather than 129 metres, 139 metres. So he's done an extra 10 metres, or 20 really, 10 there, 10 back. And and as a as consequences as blacked out. I mean, it they say to add a a meter takes years of practice. Just one like, meter. You know, it could take you years. Yeah, you know, to add an extra meter at that depth when you've been under, for you know the cuts of nine minutes. What happened to the judges? I bet they were in uh, deep water after that. Oh, very deep water. Yeah, they all got suspended. Um, and he he ended up his lungs were badly damaged, oh. and uh, he decided to retire. Um, I don't know if, if the physical injuries were, were sort of the cause of that or just the fear of never seeing his wife and kids again. Um, so he gave, he gave up. He still does the diving, but he uh, he now just sort of does the videos rather than competing for these ludicrous deaths. Matt, is, um, there, is there like a, a cut-off to how deep it's possible to go? Do you, I mean, do you think there's, there's, there must be kind of naturally a... A limit. Well, I guess it? every person's different. Well, like, you know, if you sent me down, <laughs> I'm sure it would, it would kill me a long, a long way before that. Um, look, the current world wet record is held by an Austrian chap called Herbert Nietzsche. And in 2007, he used the weighted sled to get... <laughs> this is just mad. He used the weighted sled, so he's, he sits on this... It's almost like a lift that goes down and he has to swim back up. Um, 253 metres... Or seven hundred and two feet. So 
Um, you're based in Melbourne, Ian. That's taller than the Rialto building. Um, it's uh, if anyone in London, it's taller than Heron Tower. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's you know, it's mad. Two hundred and fifty three meters, seven hundred and two foot. That's the world record. I am stunned, Matt. I'm just like I've got no words for this because it's just I'm I'm trying to put myself in that situation and I can't because it's so alien. I can't do it. The idea of swimming 250 meters would fill most people with dread. Uh, you know, just on the surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just doing <laughs> laps swim. in a pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's about ten laps, isn't it? It's about ten laps Jeez. of a of a sort of normal swimming pool, um, but underwater to that level of pressure and depth. It's it's something I guess we'll never know. We'll ne- without experiencing it. But for the competitors themselves, they love it. Um, but for me, pro- probably not one for uh, not one to encourage your kids to get into. I'd say Ian. it could never be considered for like an Olympic sports or anything. Just because it's so dangerous, like. I, I, I guess that's the reason, yeah. I mean, the honestly, the amount of people blacking out was was it's just it's just crazy. That that's the that's the game is do it without fainting. That's really the the thing. Can you do it without fainting? And that's why this protocol is all about like, don't let your head dip back in the water. But like to watch people being given mouth to mouth. And or having their noses bleeding or their mouths bleeding. Well, it's not their mouths; it's their lungs, and they're coughing up this red blood. Um, you're just thinking this—they're in open water, blood pouring out their mouths and nose, being given mouth to mouth. This is—it's a blood sport. It's horrible. Like, it's so, it's, <laughs> yeah, sadomasochism. It's absolutely anyway. bonkers. Um, well, I suppose stay, staying conscious. Uh, we're back. Back to the pub again, aren't we? Where we started. So, um, if you if you if you black out, you're out. That's it. Yeah, um, exactly. Wow, stunning, Matt. Thanks so much for that story. <laughs> I mean, it's going to take me a while to recover. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm gonna when I walk down the beach, I'm gonna look in that uh, bay very very differently. Um, thanks so much for that, um, listener. Thank you so much again for listening, tuning into one of the greatest sports stories ever told. Please do share your favorite episode with whoever. A good way to do it is through like Facebook or WhatsApp groups and stuff like that. Just send an episode, a link that just says, this was a good episode. This was interesting. Because I was having a flick through our episodes. We've done loads and oh we've got so many yeah. there's so many the catalogs amazing yeah and i just get like uh kind of a bit misty eyed of like some of the stories we've covered i'm like wow that was i've got all the fond memories of every one of them it's it's really yeah. really great so please do share um the podcast with your with they don't have to be your friends just share with people in the supermarkets in the streets whatever um and we will catch you next time thanks for tuning in and We'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you very much. I'm off down the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go and see you.